0: So, today we're continuing a series called God Has a Plan. God has a plan. And I'm very grateful for that. Because if He didn't have a plan, then none of this makes sense. So, He has a plan. And the greatest thing is, He shared the plan with us, He's told us how it ends. He's told us how your life ends. He's told us all of the information we need to know to know that he has a plan. And if we just trust him, we're going to get through this. So what's the purpose of this? The purpose of all of this is for people to grow into that relationship with him and people to love him. So I've I've started praying a prayer in my personal life. And it sounds like this. Father, Father. I want to love you, make me love you. It's still my will, still my choice. I don't know about you, but I just, at this point, I just want to be made to love Him. Because when I'm made to love Him, I won't disappoint Him. I will, I will always be thinking about Him, and I'll always be thinking about the people around me choosing to love them. So that's a prayer that I've started praying, and I don't know if it's going to work or not. i I'll let you know, and hopefully you'll see in my life and how I treat you better. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about this. God's plan unfolds suddenly. We're continuing this series, God Has a Plan, and we're going to be talking about God's plan unfolds suddenly by looking at the life of Jacob, or I'm sorry, Joseph Jacob's son, Joseph. So allow me to catch you up here on where Joseph is, or where we are in Joseph's life story. His brothers, remember his brothers were jealous of him? His father loved him more than all of the other brothers, and he made him a nice coat of many colors, and Joseph would come walking out in his nice coat made of many colors, and they were jealous of him. So so his brothers, one day, Joseph went out to check on him, and his brothers were angry with him as he was approaching. They saw him, and they're like, ah, oh, here comes that dreamer. He's got these dreams from God that we're going to bow down to him one day, and they just got m- angrier and angrier. And when Joseph got to them, they beat him up, they threw him into a pit, and then they sold him into slavery. And they took his coat, and they had it torn up and, and, and threw blood all over it, and they pretended that he had gotten killed and mauled by an animal. So this caravan, though, took him to Egypt, Joseph to Egypt, and they sold him to a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar was a very wealthy man. He was the captain of the Pharaoh's secret service agents. Very powerful, very wealthy. And this guy could read through people pretty easily. And he recognized very quickly that Joseph was sold into slavery because he was such a great guy. And so he put him in charge of his entire household. Joseph had it made for a while. But you see, Potiphar's house was not the path to the palace that God had for him. And we talked about this last week. So God had to sidetrack him, get him off of that path of just ease and staying well and Enjoying himself, kind of being a slave, even though he was over the entire household, he was sold into slavery. And God was like, no, that's not going to work for me. I have more for him. So what happened? Potiphar's wife wanted Joseph, and so she became a huge, huge, huge temptation for him. After many attempts to seduce him, one day she tried to force him to take her. And Joseph said, no, I'm not going to allow this. And so she had his coat, and he was trying to get away from her, and finally he just slipped out of his coat, and he took off running, saying, no, I cannot do such a thing against my God. Well, she had his coat, and when Potiphar came home, she said, your your guy, Joseph, that you like so much, he tried to take me today. Here's his coat as proof. All right? So she lied to her husband, and Joseph ends up in jail, and that's where we're going to go today. Starting with chapter 40 of Genesis, Joseph is in prison. So the scripture says this. While he was in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. So now he's in prison and he's in charge of the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. All right. So after about eight years in prison, two of the king's servants back in the palace, over in the palace, his cupbearer and his baker, somehow they got themselves in trouble. We don't know what it was. But there was an investigation being done, and in the meantime, the, the, the Pharaoh put them in prison, and guess whose care they were under? So one morning, Joseph comes in, and he's, he's like, hey guys, how's it going? And they're all downcast, they're, they're frustrated, something's wrong, and he's like, what's going on? And they said... Man, we had dreams last night. Both of us had these dreams and we don't know what they mean. And so we're we're a bit frustrated. We're 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 concerned about what this is, what this means. And Joseph said this, well, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. I'll interpret them for you. So they told Joseph the dreams and he gave them interpretations for both of them. And for the cupbearer, it was really good. For the cupbearer, Joseph said, man, this is what's going to happen. In three days, you're going to be restored. The king is going to exonerate you, and everything is going to be well. And he was like, yes, that's awesome. But for the chief baker, apparently the investigation didn't go very well for him. He was excited. He thought, man, this is good news for him. My dream was pretty much the same thing, just a little different. Well, it it was different. It was just the opposite. He said, in three days, you're going to have your head chopped off. You're going to be impaled and hung up for the birds to eat you. Uh, yeah, sure enough, within three days, things happened, just as Joseph had said. Chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So when Joseph told the cupbearer what he was what he was facing with his dream, he said, hey, just remember me when you get to the palace. Well, the chief cupbearer didn't remember him. So, two years later, this is 13 years since he was sold into slavery, ten years of being in prison, Pharaoh had a dream. And it was time for Joseph to go to the palace. The Pharaoh had this dream of seven cows. Anybody ever have a dream about cows? That'd be a little bit weird. He'd probably never dreamed about cows before. It's seven cows that were beautiful and healthy and and they were coming up out of the Nile. Then he had this, the rest of the dream was seven other cows that were scrawny and ugly and the ugly gaunt ones then ate up the seven beautiful ones. They overtook them and he got up and went to the bathroom. He's like, oh, I got to get this dream out of my head. And he comes back and he lays down, goes back to sleep and he has another dream. But this time it's the same dream, only it's grain doing this so he gets up the next morning he's like golly what in the world is this about I'm so troubled I don't understand what these dreams are and they knew that they meant something he knew that it meant something that was important and so he he had all of the magicians and wise men in Egypt brought in to him and he explained the dreams to him to them and, and said can you guys interpret these for me and as you can imagine the chief cup was there and he heard what was happening, and not one of those guys could interpret the dreams. And the chief cupbearer said, oh, wait a second, I know somebody. I forgot about him. Two years ago, he told me the interpretation of my dream, and it came to pass exactly as he said. You need to bring this guy over. So the Pharaoh sent for him. Now think about this. Joseph woke up in prison. He was dirty unshaved, had been in prison for 10 years. And to Joseph, it seemed like he had been forgotten. It was just like any other morning, but little did he know was suddenly things were about to change. All that he'd waited for since he was a kid was about to come to pass suddenly. All of this was God's timing. And to Joseph, feeling like he'd been forgotten, he, listen, he knew that his own dreams were still in his heart and he wanted to see those come to pass. But all this time, he'd been fulfilling someone else's dreams, stuck in prison, wondering if they would ever come to pass his own dreams, still interpreting dreams that weren't his own He's waiting for his dreams to come to pass. And so often we feel like God has forgotten about us. We have something inside that God has put in us and we're waiting for that to come to pass. We feel like we're spending our lives taking care of other people's dreams, fulfilling other people's lives instead of our own dreams coming to pass. You know, at your workplace, someone had a dream to start the business that you work for. And you go every day and you're working and working and working to fulfill a dream that they had. Like Joseph, someone else is profiting off of your faithfulness and others are enjoying the benefits of you doing your part in their lives while your dreams seem to sit dormant and wait. Maybe you're wondering if God sees you stuck at all. Maybe you're wondering if God is looking at you at all and wondering wondering, is He going to heal me? Is He going to help me? Is He going to see me? Is He going to help me out of the situation? It's been years and years and years. And like the woman with the issue of blood, it's 10 years, you know, whatever, you are like, man, God, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for Your healing touch in my life. When is it going to happen? Can I tell you that if you're like Joseph and you never give up, And you keep trusting and you keep believing and you wait for God. You never stop believing. You just keep working there and doing what you're supposed to be doing day after day after day, knowing that God is going to bring it to pass. Can I tell you that one day he will? What if Joseph, though, had been angry with God? What if he got frustrated and just said, you know what, God, this is frustrating. And when the guy came in to get him, he would have been like, man, you know what? I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Don't mess with me. I'm tired. I'm done. I'm frustrated. What if he didn't take care of those feelings and the anxiety and frustration that he had? What if Joseph hadn't kept his attitude in check? When the moment of suddenly comes to pass, you've got to have all those things in check. What if Joseph hadn't been talking to God throughout those years? What if he didn't know the voice of God? He would have been able to have God lead him and guide him, as we see in the rest of this story. But suddenly, Joseph was summoned to the palace. He got up, he showered, he shaved, and he said, You know what? This is what I've been waiting for all my life. This is that moment God is coming through for me. He put on new clothes. He felt refreshed like he had not felt in a long time. You can imagine what that day was like for him. And listen, what all the magicians and all the wise men could not tell Pharaoh, Joseph just immediately told him. The mystery was over. He said, all right, Pharaoh, here it is. There will be seven good years of great crops, great harvest, and seven years of great famine, severe famine. And so seven years of abundance will be there, then all the abundance will be eaten up by the famine. And Joseph then went on to tell him great wisdom. And this is how we need to do it for the next seven years. This is what we need to do. And then this is how we're going to deal with it during the seven years of famine. And he had a 14 year plan that he just immediately laid out with God's wisdom in his life. And the Pharaoh looked at him and said, man. And then the Pharaoh looked at all the other guys and look what he said. Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. He just got out of prison. What? He's put him in charge of the palace? Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. And then, then he goes further. It's even bigger than that. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen. Don't you know Joseph felt at home when that happened? The coats, right? The coat of many colors. Oh, man, I've got a fine linen on finally. This feels good. And he put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a a chariot as his second in command. And the people shouted before him, make way. Right. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. He didn't just put him in charge of the palace. He put him in charge of the whole entire land of Egypt. He became the prime minister of Egypt. That's awesome. God had been preparing Joseph for a big job. And some of you do construction. And when you're building a big building, you've got to have a big foundation. And it takes longer to build that foundation. Listen, every moment of your life, God is trying to prepare you for your future. The future you. He's trying to prepare you for your future and the future you that you will be. Every moment, every heartache, every pain, every lesson, God is always stretching you. God is always growing you. God is always going to be challenging you. And we don't like it, but if we'll understand it, that that's what he's doing is he's growing, he's stretching, he's preparing you. You have no idea how many people and who is hoping and waiting for you to make sure that you get it right as you go through these struggles and prepare to do what God has for you so that their lives can be saved, so that good things can come into their lives, protection, but mostly the body of Christ to be a part of the body of Christ. Listen, you might be in prison today, but suddenly God calls you into your destiny. You might be going through the worst thing you've gone through in your life today. But if you'll trust him and if you'll stay at it suddenly at one moment, things are going to change for you. Do you believe that? Well, the story goes on to say that Joseph led Egypt through the most horrible famine. For seven years, there was abundance in the crops and seven years of famine, just like Pharaoh said. Now, I want to shift gears here. Millions of people were hoping that this guy would get get it right. And I want to shift gears here, and I want to just build your faith a little bit. I'm going to show you some stuff that I think is really awesome, really interesting, that I think you'll enjoy as well. Listen, this isn't just a made-up story. This isn't just a Bible story. This really happened. This really happened. And all throughout Egypt... There is evidence that the Israelites were there, but they'll do whatever they can to deny it. Did you know that Egypt does not want us to believe that Israel was ever there? They deny it. They don't want us to believe that they were the, the, uh, sl- that they were in slavery there. They don't want to admit that they were ever there. But let's take a few minutes and let's look at it. In the last 120 years, there's been more archaeological finds, ancient documentation, and many carvings on rocks found in Egypt that tell the story of God. One of the writings is this huge rock. It's called Famine Stella. Stella means upright document. So it's this upright document about a a famine that took place. The Rock tells the story of seven years of famine and seven years of plenty before the famine. It tells all about this story of how this pharaoh, his name was Joser D-J-O-S-E-R, and how Djoser had, a, had appointed a prime minister whose name was Imhotep. And how those 14 years were provided for because of Imhotep's leadership. The rock documents that Pharaoh's dreams were, t- were interpreted. It's, it's written, you ever heard the saying written in stone? It's written in stone and it's there to this day sitting on the side of the Nile. Pharaoh's dreams were interpreted. Pharaoh Joser requested Imhotep to talk to God for direction and he appointed him as the prime minister. And this story on this rock says that Imhotep received direction from his God to help him survive a seven-year famine. Not just him, but all of the people that he, he protected. Does that story sound like we're probably in good alignment with what's in Scripture? Probably the same story. And... If they're the same people, then why are the names different? Why, is, why didn't he say this is Joseph on the rock, right? Well, Egypt would rename people. But then we come to Genesis chapter 41, verse 45, and it says that Pharaoh named Joseph Zaphonath, <laughs> it's hard for me to say, paneah That's the name that the Bible says they gave Joseph, that Pharaoh gave Joseph. So why didn't he call it? Why doesn't the Bible say, well, it was Imhotep? Well, you got to remember, Zaphanath paniah is the Hebrew transcription of the name that Joser gave him. So although scripture doesn't say it was Imhotep, it says this is what he named him, which means Zaphanath Zeph- paniah means this, the God speaks and he lives. So when scripture says, the Pharaoh named him Zaphonath-Paneah. Panea, is the Hebrew transcription of the name the Pharaoh gave him instead of Imhotep. <laughs> I'm sorry. In- Imhotep, yeah. So what does Imhotep mean? It means this, the voice of Im. I am the voice of Im, Imhotep. And do you remember 400 years later when God said to Moses, hey, um, if they ask who sent you, what are you going to tell them? I am that I am. I am that I am. These ancient writings also associate Imhotep, Joseph, as being uh, one that the people came to pray for, for healing. So Joseph, the stories, you know, ex outside of the Bible, the stories that we, get, we have tell us that while these people would come to Joseph, they would spend the night at his house and they would have dreams. And through the night, they would, they would have dreams about healing and different things that would come to them and they would wake up well the next day. And here's, inter- here's what's interesting. Imhotep would be known as a physician. And in Genesis chapter 50, it records that when Jacob, the father, of Joseph passed away years later, Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. Now, if he has charge over the physicians like that, doesn't that make him the head physician? So Joseph, being the head physician, Imhotep was known to be a physician. The physicians were his servants. Now, here is where we get to a sore spot for Egypt. And this is one of the things that probably causes Egypt to say, no, they were never here. We deny their existence in Egypt because these ancient writings talk about how Imhotep, Joseph, as the they speak of him as the architect of Djoser's tomb, which happens to be also the very first pyramid, the step pyramid. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? We've all been hearing the conspiracy theories. Well, aliens came and told us how to do this. Well, it's true. God. God gave Joseph the wisdom on how to do it. And what they found here is going to blow your mind. The biblical account of Egypt becoming a nation that fed the world would require a facility, a system of organization like the world had never seen before. Besides that, they would have to find a way to, to grow more grain than they've ever b- had been able to grow before. So today, in Egypt, this is awesome, in Egypt today, there is a canal that's 250 miles long that runs along the Nile. A canal. And the name of that canal is Bar Yusef. Guess what Bar Yusef means? The waterway of Joseph. And it's there today. So they dug a 250-mile canal that runs parallel with the Nile in order for there to be twice, at least twice the amount of grain that was ever grown in Egypt. When Joseph was named prime minister, God gave him direction and wisdom on how to do the job. By building this canal, the amount of grain would have just easily doubled. But they needed a way to store it and distribute it as well, right? Look at what it says. The famine became bad everywhere in Egypt. So Joseph opened the storehouses and sold the grain to the Egyptians. Okay, so there were storehouses that he had to build. People from all over the world came to Egypt to buy grain because the famine was so severe in their countries. So the Bible says when foreigners would come to Egypt to get the grain, they had to come to Joseph in order to get approval to get their grain. And Joseph did that because he knew his brothers would be coming at some point. And we'll talk about that next week. But this means that there was a central location, at least for those who were outsiders, for foreigners to come, And there was a massive granary to be able to serve the people. So this is awesome. Is everybody awake? Are you ready? Archaeologists have uncovered a most amazing find. All right. So at Djoser's tomb, check this out. So that's the pyramid, the step pyramid on the south side of the step pyramid. There, is, there are these pits, these giant vats that are there. And if you look online, the Egyptians are trying to play them off as, as some kind of tombs, empty tombs. That doesn't make sense. They're these giant pits. And here's a satellite view of it. So on the south side, disregard the blue, blue and white lines there. On the south side, straight down towards the bottom, do you see those holes there? but there's more than that. There's 11 of these giant vats, these pits, and, and there's only one entrance into this, all right? So this is a huge complex. So the entrance is right there on your left-hand side there, and it's on, and, and here's, here's what that entrance looks like today. See the big door? So it's there today. You can go see it. You can go visit it just like these people are, Now, this entrance was only big enough for just a few people to be able to get in. And when you go in, it opens up to a long covered passageway. And this is what that looks like. It's a corridor. See all the beautiful columns on the sides? It's there. And on each side of the corridor were a number of just small cubicle, basically, cubicles like where people could sit. And they would be able to fit a sales desk between each of those columns along the corridor on both sides. After they made their purchase, they had to get... Sorry, this microphone is uh, extremely distracting today. Okay. After they made their purchases, they would then go to get their grain. So they would continue down that corridor that I showed you a few minutes ago. So they, they would come out of the corridor, and this is what it would look like when they walked out of the corridor. And the bins were out there, and they had to then walk down these stairways, and I'll show you that in just a second. There are 11 grain bins there for th- all of those to be full, more than enough to ration off the wheat that they needed to fill or to feed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Now, here's a simplified diagram of what that looked like. You know, bird feeder? That's, that's what they made a giant bird feeder basically, 11 vats. And the people would then walk down and here's, show the next picture. Here's what they would walk down, going way down underneath to the subterranean level. And they would come to the bottom of that where they could just fill up their buckets with grain and be able to walk out. And... Guess what archaeologists have found at the bottom of those vats? Grain. They haven't found bones. (laughs) Like Egypt is trying to say is there, they found grain. Isn't that awesome? All of it is there to this day. So what can we learn about God and his work in our lives through Joseph? One, never underestimate that God has a plan. Never underestimate that God has a plan. The period he was in prison may have felt like it was wasted time, but was it? It was preparation. It was God's pathway to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. We know that... In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And who have been called according to his purpose. I love the words we know. Do you know that what you're going through or what you've been through, that God is going to turn it for good? Do you know that? Do you believe it? You see, there are times in our lives when we find ourselves in places we'd rather not be with, people we'd rather not be with, facing situations we'd prefer not to have to deal with. But you better know that it's God that will bring you through it. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's the lack thereof. Maybe you found yourself in the hospital at some point, or maybe you feel stuck in life and you don't feel like you. And listen, I didn't get permission for this. God, why are you allowing this in my life? And we would never choose to be in these situations. But just as God was with Joseph in the cell, he's with you. And as God worked through Joseph in the prison, he will work with you if you let him, if you'll stay faithful to him, if you'll trust him while you're in the prison, if you'll trust him while you're going through the situation, God will use you in ways like you never dreamed he could use you. Secondly, we can know that God never forgets about us. James David, would you come? God never forgets about you. And he never will. You see, Joseph may have thought that the cupbearer had forgotten about him. But he knew God hadn't. do you remember that God is with you and that He'll never forget you? And He's the same God that said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Never. You see, God's timing is perfect, but most of us, including myself, hate to wait. And we end up losing our trust in Him in the process of that being impatient with God. Proverbs, we read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him. Okay, God, you've got me in this prison. I submit to you. Okay, God, you're allowing this sickness. I submit to you. Your meaning and purpose is way more important than my healing. Okay, God, I submit to you. In all your ways, submit to Him. And what? He will make your paths straight. Suddenly, He brought Joseph out, made the path straight. And third, one day everything will suddenly make sense if you wait on God to finish the story one day it's all going to make sense You falsely accused wasn't Jesus eventually it all made sense misunderstood wasn't Jesus eventually it all made sense Afflicted wasn't Jesus. Boy, did it all make sense. Publicly humiliated, wasn't Jesus. Eventually it all made sense. Everything that Joseph had gone through was leading up to the moment when Pharaoh would have two disturbing dreams, which none of Egypt's or wise their, their wise men or magicians could interpret. And it was then that the cupbearer remembered. God stopped the cupbearer from remembering for two years and suddenly, boom, God came to Pharaoh in dreams. You've got to trust in God's timing and you've got to trust that God is going to bring things to pass. You just got to trust him and wait and believe and do his purpose along the way. And for Joseph, the day which, which started like any other day, Laying there in prison, suddenly, someone came in and said, Come with me. You're going to the palace. What if Joseph had given up? Millions of people would have died. His dream would have never come true. What if you give up? What if you give up? What if you don't trust to the end? What if you don't trust God until the story comes to pass? Today is a day that you decide I'm going to trust him no matter what I'm facing. I'm going to trust him with what happened to me when I was a kid or a teenager. I'm going to trust him even with my own mistakes and my own faults in life. I'm going to trust him. Can you do that? Would you bow your heads? He is trustworthy. He cares about you more than you could ever imagine. He has greater plans for you, purpose, meaning, but you have to trust Him. He has a plan. And I just sense that maybe there's someone here that needs to do what we call repent of not trusting God it means turn completely around do a 180 say God from this moment on I'm going to trust you and I'm so so sorry that I failed to I turn my heart towards you today and I ask you to fill my heart with peace my mind with peace Even though I'm going through this valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff are comforting me. I trust you. I believe in you. Even if you never do what i want you to do the way i want you to do it god i know that at some point i get to come to heaven and it will all make sense at that moment your story is what i want for my life so i give my heart to you i give my life to you and god i want to get to know who you are and what you like and what you don't like i invite you to come into my life i want to live with you And I want to accommodate for you living inside of me for the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for your salvation. Thank you. It's a new beginning.